You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Stand with me when you get there. The book of Daniel, chapter 2. We'll be in the 21st verse this morning. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, the Bible says, And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the day that you've given us, for the time you've given us to assemble, I pray. Uh, you anoint me to preach the message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand, and draw us each closer to one another as you draw us closer to yourself. And we'll never fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. As all of you are aware, I'm certain, this week is election week on Tuesday. Uh, the millions left that have not voted will be headed to the polls to elect a president. And this, uh, seemingly every time it gets longer and longer and it becomes an excruciating process. Uh, endless political campaigns this week will finally be over. There'll be no more debates, no more ads, no more speculation, no more appearances on television, no more speeches, no more campaign rallies, no conventions. And the 2020 election will be just a memory. Nobody will talk about it after Wednesday. It'll all be done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We'll cast our ballots, they'll count them up, and we'll be done. The reality is that by Tuesday we will have decided as a nation uh, which of those two men will become the leader of the free world. Now, uh, perhaps even the most powerful human being on the planet, and which one of them will go on to other things. I'm certain that most of you are planning to vote by Tuesday, if you haven't already done so. Uh, it's hard to run into anybody who is uncertain of who they're going to vote for. Everyone has their opinion and their choice. Um, so you might be decided, but you may have made the wrong decision. So I'm going to tell you exactly who to vote for this morning. We'll go down a list. Now, of course... I'm certainly not going to do that. Uh, it would have several bad effects. It would render your financial contributions to the church uh, non-tax exempt. And I'm certain it would uh, make half the people listening to this message extremely upset with me if I did that. Now, I'm not opposed to that in principle. I just want to save it for something that's important. But the most important reason that we won't be saying from the pulpit who we endorse as president is because it's not a biblical thing to do. In doing so, we would be stating from the pulpit uh, who the Christian choice would be, and that, I believe, would be an abuse of this position. It would be an illegitimate exercise of spiritual authority because it would imply that there is a Christian choice, that the next question of who, or the question of who our next president would be uh, only has a one right believer if they are 
only has one right choice if they're a believer in Christ. And I'm not saying there's not any differences in the two choices that we have. There's deep philosophical and personal differences among the candidates. And I'm not saying that it doesn't matter who is elected. It matters tremendously to our country who's elected this week. And I won't pretend that I don't have strong personal feelings on the matter, but it would be wrong for me or anyone else to say that our preferences are the same as God's preferences. <coughs> and therefore, um, we can make a case for our choice from a political point of view or moral point of view or social or historical or theological we can talk about Medicare and the Supreme Court appointments or character, Social Security, tax policy, prescription drugs, military preparedness, but we cannot claim that there is one Christian way to vote. So this morning I want to talk about a reality, and Mark kind of alluded to it without any foreknowledge of what we're going to be talking about in the sermon, that you and I can relax in the realization that God is completely in control. Amen. That we're disciples of Christ and citizens of this nation, but God is in control of what happens. God is in control of the government and the governors. So if you look at our federal government, it's huge. I don't know if I don't sit back and ponder the size of the federal government. Sometimes I'll run across some numbers and I think, man. The size of our federal government is just bewildering. Uh, you've heard of the EPA. There's 13,758 employees just in the Environmental Protection Agency. Well, the Small Business Administration has 3,293 employees. I'm not even certain what all those employees would do. That we pay $75 million a year to the budget of American Battle Monuments, to the American Battle Monuments Commission. $75 million a year. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's huge. Yeah. You know, here's something that we're not familiar with and what we don't see every day, but yet we're paying $75 million into it. The scope of what our government does is just massive uh, when we sit and think about it. The actions of the government certainly give us cause for concern. I don't think I need to give you examples of that. We can all think of examples of government officials uh, acting in ways that call into question their character, or whether they're in control or anyone's in control. But you and I can rest assured and relax and know that God is in control. Amen. The Bible says so. However badly these authorities uh, may act, whether they realize it or not, or whether they acknowledge it or not, God is still in control. He's sovereign over the government of the United States and every government on the face of the planet. Right. He's in authority over the President, the Congress, the Supreme Court, and all those employees in all those federal agencies. God's in control. They can do nothing good or bad without God's knowledge and permission. He put them there in the first place, and he can remove them whenever he sees fit. Amen. The Bible says, and he changeth the times 
In the season he removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Daniel in the fourth chapter goes on. It says, This matters by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. In Romans, the Bible says, For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might shew my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Paul goes on to write, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So we go to the polls on Tuesday and we evaluate the results late Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon. We, meet, we need to remember that ultimately God chooses who the President of the United States will be mm-hmm. for the next four years. God works through the free choices of millions of people with no coercion, each person making a choice based on their own free will and judgment. And many of these people that are voting or around us have no desire to serve God. But somehow, all these individual free wills and choices end up accomplishing God's purpose to place in office the one whom he chooses. Now, how exactly that works, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us the details. It just certainly assures us that it does. So it doesn't mean either that the best man always wins and however you defined best, it's of course up to you. Every time that the nation goes into a large election, you end up with half the people thinking it was wonderful, half the think, other people think that it's uh, not so good. And I'm not really, you can't tie those things into uh, the Bible in that type of realm. Right? That's right. You have to understand that God does what's best for us and Himself. Right. Right? It means that God always chooses the one that's best suited to accomplish His purpose. God knows the end from the beginning. When you look into Pharaoh, the example from Romans, Pharaoh was a very evil man. He oppressed and abused God's people as slaves in Egypt, but the Bible says that in spite of this, or actually because of it, God raised him up so that God would be glorified through him. him. Mm -hmm. God did this so that he could accomplish his purpose, which was display his power by overcoming Pharaoh by force. And this is great comfort to you and I today, that we, no matter what happens, by Wednesday, We can relax, we can hold our heads high, and we can know that we serve a God that's in control, that our help doesn't come from Washington, it comes from heaven, that we don't have to be anxious or concerned about what happens. We can take comfort in knowing that God has a purpose for whoever the nation chooses as president. Whatever you think of President Trump, he's in office today, and has been for almost four years because God wants him there. Yeah, man. Uh, God could have removed him at any time, but he chose not to do so. Ultimately, he's still the president, not because 
some senators voted uh, not to impeach, but because he's fulfilling God's purpose in some form or fashion. Amen. Uh, some people feel that God's purpose in placing Trump in office was a blessing. Some um, feel it was a judgment. But either way, he's there because God put him there. Now that doesn't mean that we can't criticize or expose error or wrongdoing or oppose policies that we consider harmful. And we don't have to change any of our opinions based on the knowledge that God chooses. And we don't have to passively accept whatever the next president may try to do. But ultimately, ultimately, we can sleep through the night and we can rest assured that God's in control. In the book of Psalms, it says, The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. We must trust our God going into this next year. It's going to be harder than it's ever been for us. And we must trust God. We can't trust politicians or governments. As you watch the television or your device, however you uh, look at the news, you'll see large, huge crowds of people who obviously have a great desire to see Donald Trump be our president. And there are Democrats who feel the same way about Biden. I think they're just harder to catch on camera together. Um, but we can't fall into that trap. We cannot put our trust in any man. Uh, our trust has to be God and our hope for, our trust has to be in God and our hope for the future must also be found in him. If our nation is going to be blessed, if there's going to be a return to God and a spiritual awakening, if we're going to prosper economically and enjoy times of peace, it will be because God brought it about. The Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the son of uh, man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. And that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. If you remember the political climate of the early 80s, uh, when Ronald Reagan became president, you can think back to that time. Remember that time. Uh, the religious right was pretty strong. We had people like Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson. Uh, who was the uh, third guy? James Dobson. It was powerful. National figures that had the moral majority. Um, the Christian Coalition. And they did a lot of work to get Reagan elected. And if you read the history books or you can remember back that far, we've, we as Christians thought times were now about to go back to the way they were, that things were about to change, that we were finally going to get these things accomplished. And there was a general feeling among people that now they had someone in that office that was sympathetic for their, to their cause and would advance their cause and finally re restore America to its Christian roots. But as we stand here almost 40 years later, 
Their agenda that they wish to accomplish is no closer to being accomplished, even though the Republicans have held the House, the presidency, and the Senate a few times since then. Uh, virtually nothing of their agenda was accomplished. Prayer's not back in school. Abortion's not illegal. Now, we've made some small strides, but ultimately, uh, we cannot put our hopes for restoring America in the Republican Party. Amen. It doesn't start at the top. It starts at the bottom, in local churches, in families, and homes. And then it ripples out from there. And it goes from the bottom up, not from the top down. You can't legislate our nation to be a righteous, God-fearing nation. We either are or we are not. That's right. Amen. The people are or they are not. And if this nation returns to its Christian roots and its righteous, God-fearing people, it'll be done through the work that's done on Calvary, not in Washington. Amen. It'll be done through the salvation that's offered by Christ. And it'll be done because of His great love and mercy and grace toward us. So you and I must trust in God rather than men. So if your guy doesn't get elected this week, it's okay to be a little disappointed, but it isn't a disaster. All is not lost. We know that God will bring about good and wise and his purposes through whomever wins. The last thoughts I'll leave you with this morning, the Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it with with ever, soever he will. So the decisions, the opinions, the plans, and the purposes of whatever our next or whoever our next president is is in control of the Lord. The Bible goes on to say, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Mm -hmm. And that is our hope moving forward. We have no political agenda as a church other than we, as a people of God, and as our neighbors, family, and as a nation, live peaceably and in all godliness and honesty. That is our goal and that is our purpose. Amen. Mm -hmm. Stand with me this morning.